Well, God bless you. Good morning. God bless you, my beloved. This is Minister S.N. Crockett, Jr. of Jesus Christ, our Lord, Christian Fellowship, coming to you this Sunday morning, the 10th, 12th, sorry, <laughs> the 12th of January, 2020, with our weekly broadcast, our, the second installment of our weekly broadcast, The Truth of the Gospel, The Truth of the Gospel, some of you may be wondering what scripture is that based on. It's based on Galatians 2 and 5. Galatians chapter 2, verse 5. Paul's letter to the Galatian Christians where he told them, where he was talking to them about the importance of walking in the truth of the gospel. And in, in order to understand that statement, you would need to go back to uh, the first chapter, verse 6. Paul said, I marvel that you're so soon uh, removed from him who called you by the grace of God into another gospel, which is not another, but there are some who trouble you and would pervert the gospel of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So if you if you, if you you go back and read the first chapter, for those of you who love reading God's word, then you'll understand the second chapter, which is, uh, he, he continues the thought. You remember when the Bible was originally compiled, it didn't have chapters and verses. And I'm glad it does now because it helps you to divide um, themes and chapters, etc., 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 themes, ideas, etc. Uh, so he says in Galatians 2 and 5, he talks about the truth of the gospel. The truth. That's a very important statement because we're hearing an expression today uh, where people are being encouraged to, quote-unquote, walk in your truth. They're high-profile celebrities people with very influential positions, with very large microphones. Some of these people are very wealthy and they're encouraging you. They're encouraging the unsuspecting to walk in your truth as, as though we have a truth that we can walk in that's not destructive, etc. If we had a truth we could walk in that would uh, benefit us, there would have been no need for Jesus to die at Calvary's cruel cross. Let me say that again. If we had a truth that we could walk in that wasn't totally destructive to our being, to our eternity, to our eternal uh, soul, then there would have been no need for Jesus to die at Calvary's cruel cross. But Jesus died on the cross because the truth that we were walking in, walking in was a lie. Going all the way back to the Garden of Eden, Satan... Satan deceived Eve and she sinned and Adam sinned willfully and uh, because of that uh, man, mankind was plunged into the abyss of sin wherefore Romans 5 and 12 see, I seem like I can't teach a lesson without having to go to Romans 5 and 12 and I don't mind because Romans 5 and 12 explains the whole deal Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for all have sinned. That's Romans 5, 12. It's, it's just as important as John 3 and 16, and Ephesians 2 and 8, and Romans 10 and 9, and Genesis 1 and 1, and Revelation 22, 21. By one man, sin entered into the world, and death by sin. You see that? Sin and death. Sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for all have sinned. So if, if walking in our truth, as some people um, propose, if walking in our truth were legitimate, were sufficient, 
there would have been no need for Jesus to die at Calvary's cruel cross. And so I'm going to come to you today with the same message that I started on Friday evening. The name of the message is, excuse me, the name of the message is The Gospel According to the Garden of Gethsemane. The Gospel According to the Garden of Gethsemane. The Gospel According to the Garden of Gethsemane. And I read on Friday, uh, I, I have to make a correction. I said that the um, Gethsemane prayer, Father, not my will, but yours be done. I said it was in all four Gospels, and it's, it's not. I apologize. It's in the Synoptic Gospels. But when you get to John chapter 18, it shows Jesus in the garden because he's about to be arrested by Judas and the authorities. Judas, of course, betrayed him. So John chapter 18 shows Jesus in the garden, but it doesn't show the prayer. You know, Father, if it be your will, take this cup from me. I said it was in all four Gospels. I apologize. It's in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. What we call the synop, synoptic Gospels, S-Y-N, meaning the same, pretty much the same, where we get the word synonym. A synonym is a word, would, would be at least two words that have very similar uh, meaning. So the synoptic Gospels are Matthew, Mark, and Luke, but John is in some ways separate from those three Gospels. And so in John chapter 18, right after Jesus prays his high priestly prayer, in John 17, Father, I pray that they all be unified and, and would love one another. And, and, and um, I, I, Jesus is giving an account of his ministry in John 17. And then in John 18 is when we see him in the garden uh, with his disciples and, and he's arrested. And, but it doesn't say anything about, uh, you know, sit here while I go pray yonder. It doesn't say that in John. So I apologize for that error. And I know that you will forgive me. So we're going to talk today. I'm going to I'm going to read today the Luke passage and the Mark passage. On Friday, I read the Matthew passage and the Mark passage. Today, I had planned on reading the Luke passage and the John passage. But what I want to read is not in John. So again, please accept my apology. All right. So I'm going to read after we pray. I'm going to read the um, Mark. I'm going to read the Mark and the Luke passages. And then we'll talk the gospel according to the Garden of Gethsemane, the whole idea is, is our will in line with the will of God? Or are we self-willed? Because you can be a Christian and be self-willed. You can be a Christian, a believer in Jesus, and be self-willed. It happens all the time. Many of us don't grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and receive the blessings uh, that the Lord wants us to receive uh, because we're self-willed. The Bible even talks about it. I'm going to show it to you later if I don't forget. The Bible even talks about it. If a person's going to be like a bishop or a pastor, he can't be self-willed. The Bible talks about Saul. Saul, the first king of Israel, his, pro his major problem was he was self-willed. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you for the privilege of mentioning your blessed name, for you are the only true and living God. You are the Father of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You are the God of all glory. Blessed be your name forever. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah to the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. We thank you, Lord. We bless you and we praise you. 
And we ask that you fill us with the Holy Spirit. Open the eyes of our understanding. Give us revelation knowledge, Lord, that we may not only hear your word, but do your word, that we may do your good, acceptable, and perfect will by your Holy Son, Jesus, whom you raised from the dead and set at your own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality, power, might, and dominion, every nameless name in this world and the world to come. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for calling us out of darkness into your marvelous light. We were in darkness, Lord. We were lost. We were seeking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore. Hallelujah. Glory to the Lamb of God. Lord, thank you. We bless you. We were sinking to rise no more, but the master of the sea heard our despairing cry. And from the uh, depths of sin, I'm going to say that's not the exact wording, he lifted us, and now we're safe. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Hallelujah. Lord, help me to teach your people correctly. Help me, Lord, to speak the truth of the gospel. Help me to speak the truth in love. Help me, Lord, to uh, speak truth to your people that they may be encouraged and, if, and, if, and that if there are any who are not saved, that they would make a decision for your dear son, Jesus, a decision that's informed by your Holy Spirit. For we know we cannot make a decision for your son on our own, but there must be that revelation of who Jesus is from the Holy Spirit. We depend on you, Lord. We don't depend on ourselves, our own intellect. We don't depend on flesh and blood revelation. We depend on you, for you are our spirit. And what we need to know is spiritual. And we thank you through your Holy Son, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, God bless you, my beloved. Again, we're going to talk about the gospel according to the Garden of Gethsemane. The gospel according to the Garden of Gethsemane. The gospel according to the Garden of Gethsemane. We bless you. We praise you, Lord. We ask that you help us to take these scriptures and apply them to our lives that we may do your good, acceptable, and perfect will. Help us to not be so self-willed. Begin with me, Lord. Help me to not be self-willed, but help me to be willing to do your good, acceptable, and perfect will. Help me to not be conformed to this world, Lord. Help me, Lord, to say no to sin. Help me, Lord, with the sins of the tongue, the sins of omission, the sins of commission. Help me, Lord. Help me and help all those who really want to be helped. As you said to the man at the pool of Bethesda, do you want to get better? My answer, speaking for myself, is yes, Lord, I want to get better. I want to be more like your son, Jesus, and less like myself. Hallelujah. Sanctify us, Lord. Sanctify us holy. Sanctify us holy. Sanctify us holy as only you can do, Lord. Sanctification can only come, Lord, by your truth. Your word is truth. Help us not to walk in our truth, but help us to walk in the truth of the gospel. Hallelujah. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus, the Messiah, Yeshua HaMashiach. Blessed be his name forever. He is Lord. He is King. He is Savior. He's our great high priest after the order of Melchizedek. Hallelujah. He's the first and the last. 
He's the beginning and the end. He's the root and the offspring of David. He's the bright and the morning star. Hallelujah. Glory. He has the keys of death and Hades. And I'm going to follow him because he's got the keys. I'm not following anybody who doesn't have the keys. Because I don't want death to have an eternal hold on me. I don't want to suffer the second death. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to the Lamb of God. Thank you, Lord. You saved me, Lord. You didn't have to. I certainly didn't have my mind on you. I didn't even grow up thinking about you, Lord. Hallelujah. Yet you saved me by your grace. Grace. God's riches at Christ's expense. I didn't grow up thinking about you. I didn't grow up going to church. I didn't grow up thinking about the gospel. I didn't grow up thinking about the Garden of Gethsemane. I didn't grow up thinking about Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to the Lamb of God. Yet you saved me. Oh, glory to God. That's why I know it's by grace. For I did nothing to deserve my salvation. Purely by your grace, Lord. Hallelujah. I'll be the first to say purely by your grace. It's purely by grace. Hallelujah. Glory to the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Lord, help us to say as you said in the garden of Gethsemane, not my will, but yours be done. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. 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 Hallelujah. 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 Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. I'm just trying to get in practice for when I go to heaven and stand in his presence. I'm just trying to get, you know, how choirs practice. I'm just, I'm just practicing. Hallelujah. 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 Fill us with the Holy Ghost, Lord. Hallelujah. Oh God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Oh Jesus, I just want to walk with you in white. I just want to walk with you in white, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to the Lamb of God. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, Lord, you sit high and you look low. Hallelujah. Oh, Lord, we're going to see that glory one day that Isaiah saw. when He saw you high and lifted up. And your train filled the temple. Hallelujah. La 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 boho shikanda la hashanda boho kanda la yet yeketa boho ikanda ya kata kata ikata da boho ikanda la hashanda boho kanda hashanda boho kanda Hallelujah to the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world Hallelujah 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 Glory Glory to the Lamb of God La la boho shima boho shanda la la boho kata boho shanda boho kanda Hallelujah, Lord, let this teaching and preaching, let it manifest gifts and fruit of the Holy Spirit. Not only this teaching and preaching, but teaching and preaching all over the world, Lord. For your saints are calling on your name, Lord God. Hallelujah. Bless those, Lord, 
protect those, Lord, and bless those who are, bless those and protect those, Lord, who are being persecuted for your name's sake. We pray for them now, Lord, that you strengthen them, encourage them where, where they are discouraged in those countries, Lord, in those areas where there's a death penalty for preaching the gospel, for mentioning that blessed name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, Lord, we pray for them, Lord. Bless them. Strengthen them, Lord. Oh, God, put it on our heart to continue to pray for the persecuted church, Lord. We pray for them, Lord God. Just strengthen them as you encourage the church at Smyrna, Lord. Strengthen them, Lord. Let them know, be faithful in the death. And you'll give them a crown of life. Hallelujah. Glory to the Lamb of God. Hallelujah. 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 Hallelujah to the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Hallelujah. Oh, Jesus, you and you only. You are the only Savior. You're the only salvation. You, you, you and you alone. You are the way. You are the truth. You are the life. You said it, Lord. I wouldn't have had the courage to say something like that. You said it. You said nobody. Glory to God. Nobody can come to the Father except it be by you. Hallelujah. And though men may deny it, and, that, and high-powered celebrities may try to push that truth under the table, glory to the Lamb of God. Your word shall stand forever. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord forever and forever and ever. Blessed be your name, Lord. Fill us with the Holy Ghost, Lord. Fill us, God. We need you, Lord. Hallelujah. I know we don't act like we need you all the time, but we need you, Lord. We live in the midst of a wicked and vile generation, Lord, that has rejected your truth. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to God. Hallelujah. Glory to the Lamb of God. Jesus. John saw you in the revelation. He saw a lamb as though it had been slain. Oh, but he said it was standing. Glory. How can a lamb that's been slain stand? Oh, you've been raised from the dead. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. <laughs> John said, I saw a lamb as though it had been slain, not lying in the Palestinian tomb. Glory to God. He said, standing in the midst of the throne. Glory. How could he stand in the midst of the throne unless he had been raised from the dead and ascended back to heaven? Seated at the right hand of the majesty on high. Oh, hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. Glory. Glory, glory. Glory to Jesus. World without end. Lord, help us, Lord. Help us. Help us, Lord. We need you. Glory to the Lamb of God. We need you, Lord. We need you, Lord. Strengthen us. We need you, Lord. We, we can't make it without you. We need you, Lord. Help us, Lord. Help us to not have a form of godliness and deny the power thereof. But help us to have godliness, real godliness, true godliness. Hallelujah. 
Blessed be your name forever by Jesus, your holy son, we pray and we, we bless your name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for allowing us to take those few moments to praise you. We know that you're so deserving of 10 billion, trillion, gazillion times more praise than we could ever give you. But we're going to see you one day, Lord, and we're going to praise you throughout eternity. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for allowing us just to mention your blessed name. In the name of your holy son, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, to whom be glory, power, majesty, and dominion, both now and forever. Hallelujah. Amen. Whew. I had a good time praising the Lord. Mm -hmm. I had a good time praising the Lord, and I hope you were praising him with me. We're going to talk about the garden, the gospel, according to the garden of Gethsemane. The gospel, according to the garden of Gethsemane. The gospel according to the Garden of Gethsemane. I'm going to read to you from, again, Friday I read the Matthew and the Mark passage. Today I'm going to read the, the Mark and the Luke passage. And again, this exact passage is not found in John. As I said, it was on Friday. I apologize for that mistake. It's not in John. The arrest of Jesus is in John 18, but the prayer about not my will but yours be done is not found in John's gospel. So again, I apologize for that. But let's start in Mark chapter 14, beginning at verse 32. They came to a place named Geth, and I meant to look up what Gethsemane means and forgot to look it up. Sorry. <laughs> I meant to look it up. And I can't get to my Greek dictionary now because it's in my iPad, and my iPad is is running the program that I'm doing right now. So I meant to look up what gets, because every, every biblical name has a meaning, just like people's names in the Bible have meaning. So the word Gethsemane does have a certain meaning, and I forgot to look it up. I apologize. I'll know it by next Friday. They came to a place named Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, Jesus said to his disciples, sit here until I have prayed. And he took with him, as he often did, Peter, James, and John, and began to be very distressed and troubled. And he said to them, my soul, Jesus was a man. He had a soul, he had a spirit. Remember when he died on the cross, he said, Father, it's finished. Into thy hands I commit my spirit. So Jesus was a man. He's, he's, he's God, but he was also man. He, even now, he's the God-man. Paul said in Philippians 2 and 5, there's one God and one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. So even now, in the heavenlies, in heaven, Jesus is the God-man, seated at the right hand of the Father. So Jesus was a man, just like you're a man and I'm a man, or you're a woman and I'm a man. Jesus is a man, or was a, and, and was a man back here. The Word became flesh. The Word became a man. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. We beheld his glory not just at the Mount of Transfiguration, and not just as he seated in the right hand of the Father, but we beheld his glory as he walked on the earth. And there were certain miracles that he did that nobody else had ever done before. They're called the Messiah miracles. We'll talk about that one day. But he, right here, he takes James, John, and Peter, he began to be very distressed and troubled. He said to them, he's, he's, he's telling them his, most, his innermost 
uh, feelings here. Not that he didn't love the other apostles. Of course, Judas, by this time, is already gone. The devil's already infiltrated his soul. He's already gone to betray Jesus. So this is this. Here we're down to 11 apostles instead of 12. But he takes out of the 11, he takes three, leaving eight. And he said to them, my soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. He knows that Calvary is looming ahead. Remain here and keep watch. And he went to a little beyond them and fell to the ground. And he began to pray that if it were possible, the hour might pass him by. He, he doesn't want to go to the cross. He doesn't want to go to Calvary. He knows the brutality of Calvary. He, he, he had never experienced death. He, he doesn't want to experience the humiliation and the shame. The Bible says in Hebrews he despised the shame associated with Calvary. He doesn't want to go to Calvary. He says, Father, if it's possible, he says, Abba, which is Father, which in Aramaic, all things are possible for you. He, he knows his relationship with the Father. He knows... He doesn't pray wondering. He doesn't pray sometimes like we do, wondering, you know, you know, is God, is God going to do this? Can God do this? He, that, that's not his relationship with the Father. His relationship with the Father, there's no doubt. Many times when he prayed and during his ministry, he would say, I didn't pray this for my sake, but I wanted y'all to see. He said, I, I prayed for y'all's sakes, not for my sakes. He knows his relationship with the Father. He says, Father, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me. And then he doesn't hesitate. He says, yet, not what I will. His will is perfectly conformed to the will of the Father. And that's, that's, that's the whole issue of what I'm trying to get to. The worst Christian we can be is self-willed Christian. If we're self-willed, there's really no difference between us and, and the people who don't believe in Jesus. The worst Christian I can be is to be a self-willed Christian. I'm really Christian in title, but I'm not Christian in reality, in, in action, in life. He says, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me. What cup? A cup of something to drink? No. A cup of water? No. A cup of suffering. The baptism of suffering, of shame. Isaiah talked to see we don't we're 2,000 years removed from Calvary and men have gotten a hold of and the devil to a certain extent have gotten a hold of what Calvary what really happened at Calvary and so we've got this picture of Jesus with a little trickle of blood coming down his forehead he looks like some European guy on his way to Woodstock movie uh, music festival festival and we've got this picture of Jesus on the cross, a little trickle of blood hanging down his head, and he's got a loincloth on. And Isaiah said, no, his visage was marred more than any man, his form more than the sons of men. Isaiah said he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace, the price that had to be paid for our peace was put upon him, and by his stripes we are healed from the ravages of sin. So Isaiah gave a more uh, complete picture 
and he's a prophet of God. He was a prophet of God. So we have to believe him as opposed to some artist's conception of what happened to Jesus at the cross. And we and remember he was beaten, flogged, crucified by the Romans. And the Romans were very barbaric. They, they had a lot of sophistication about them, about their political system. We still live under their political system with the Senate and things like that. Uh, so, so the Romans were very sophisticated when it came to certain things about building roads and things, um, aqueducts and, you know, things like that brought water into the city and stuff like that. They were very sophisticated, but they were also very barbaric. They were also very brutal. The Romans, it is said the Romans did not invent the cross. The Romans did not invent crucifixion. It is said that crucifixion was invented by the um, I've heard it. I've heard the Persians invented it, the Carthaginians, the Phoenicians. But we know that whoever invented it, the Romans put their own special twist to it. I heard one preacher say years ago, the cross invented by, invented by the Persians, but perfected by the Romans. The Romans didn't even put their own citizens on the cross. Glory to God. They didn't put their own citizens. If you were a Roman citizen, they didn't crucify you. Maybe that's we've maybe that's one reason we've got some tradition that says Peter was crucified, but Paul was beheaded. Paul was a Roman citizen. He had dual citizenship. He had Hebrew citizenship, that's why his name was Saul, but he had Roman citizenship, that's why his name was Paul. Remember, he was Saul of Tarsus. He was a Roman citizen. That's why when he was arrested in the book of Acts, he said, I appeal to Caesar. I'm a Roman citizen. Y'all, y'all better y'all better give me some some 14th Amendment rights here. Due process. And that's how Paul ended up on the ship going to Rome to stand before Caesar. So Paul was a Roman citizen. So he didn't face crucifixion. But Peter was not a Roman citizen. And so it has been said, it's not in the Bible, but it has been said Peter was crucified. Uh, supposedly upside down. I don't know how true that is. But the Romans didn't crucify their citizens. Right? Jesus. He says, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will. Not what I will. He says, my will is in 100% agreement with yours. Remove this cup, if you will. But if you won't, I'm in 100% agreement with you. And he came and found them sleeping and said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? He called him Simon. <laughs> Simon would be the name he would use in Peter's weakness. Simon Peter. Peter means rock. He would go on to be Peter, but Simon was the name he had before he met Jesus. Simon, are you asleep? Could hear the hear the churches sleeping, right? The churches while the church slept. Hallelujah. Simon, are you asleep? Could you not keep watch for one hour? Keep watching and praying that you may not come into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, he went away and prayed, saying the same words. And again, he came and found them sleeping. So he prayed that prayer again. Father, if it be willing, take this cup from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Again, he went away and prayed, saying the same words. And again, he came and found them sleeping. For their eyes were very heavy. They did not know what to answer him. Then he went again, he went away and prayed again the third time. Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And he came to them a third time and said, Are you still sleeping and resting? It is enough. The hour has come. Behold, 
He knew he had to fulfill prophecy. He knew the he knew the scriptures had to be fulfilled. He said himself, he said the scriptures can't be broken. Prophecy has to be fulfilled because if prophecy is not fulfilled, then God's word would be a liar. And God, the Bible says God cannot lie. Are you still sleeping and resting? It is enough. The hour has come. Behold, the son of man, talking about himself, is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Get up. Let us be going. Behold, the one who betrays me, talking about Judas, the one who betrays me is at hand. That's the Mark rendition. The Luke rendition, I'll, I'll, I'll save that one. I want to take you into, now I want to take you into uh, several passages of scripture that show that being self-willed is, is to our detriment. If you're self-willed and you're a believer in Jesus, you can't, the Lord can't use you the way he wants to. I'm talking to myself, too. I'm not just talking to you, I'm talking to myself. If you're self-willed, the Lord can't use you the way he wants to. And if you're not a believer because you're self-willed and you refuse to follow Jesus, you're going to have to pay a, a fearful price. You're going to be eternally separated from God and Christ if you don't change your mind before it's too late. Because once you die, you cannot change your mind about Jesus. There's nothing in the Bible showing people changing their mind about Jesus on the other side of the grave. It can't happen. There's no purgatory. That's a, that's a myth. That's a lie. There's no purgatory. It doesn't exist. So if you've been told, well, you know, in purgatory you can, you can get things right. You've been lied to. That's a satanic, deceiving, seducing spirit from the depths of hell. There's no purgatory. No. See, in the word purgatory, you, you can see the word purge. So I guess the teaching is in purgatory, you, you purge whatever uh, needs to be purged and you get another chance. No. There's no purgatory. You must make a decision for Jesus on this side of the grave. You must make a decision for Jesus on this side of the grave. All right. I'm going to read to you uh, first... I'm going to come to you from, uh, I got a passage here in Titus showing the importance of not being self-willed. This is Paul speaking to one of his uh, protégés, one of his disciples. We know we're all disciples of Jesus, but then, you know, there are teachers, apostles who had disciples who followed, followed them as they followed Christ, as Paul said, follow me as I follow Jesus. Listen to what Paul said to Titus about the uh, the um, necessity of not being self-willed. Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect and the acknowledging of the truth, which is after godliness. In hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began, but has in these, in these due times, has in due times manifested his word through preaching, which is committed unto me according to the commandment of God our Savior. To Titus, mine own son, after the common faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. For this cause, Paul said, I left you in Crete, that you should set in order the things that are wanting and ordained elders in every city, as I appointed you. So Paul left Titus in Crete to ordain elders in every city to set up churches, etc. Now listen to the qualifications of, of, of the elder. If any be blameless, the husband of one wife, having faithful children, 
not accused of riot, meaning having your family, you know, your family ain't all crazy and out there getting, you know, going to jail and all that kind of stuff, making a fool of themselves on the news, being on the news, etc. If any be blameless, the husband of one wife, having faithful children, not accused of riot or unruly. Then he says, for a bishop must be blameless as the, stu not, not blameless as in no original sin. The only Jesus beats that qualification. But he's saying the bishop's life cannot be scandalous. For a bishop must be blameless as the steward of God. Then he says, not self-willed. The bishop cannot be self-willed. The bishop cannot, or the pastor, the or presiding elder, the bishop cannot be self-willed. The bishop cannot think that this is his, his program, his fiefdom, his kingdom, his church. He can't. Uh, I used to hear a preacher years ago, and I don't know, uh, he probably meant well. I don't know what his intent was, but he used to always refer to the preachers with him as my preachers. My preachers. My preachers. Maybe he meant well. Maybe he just meant the, pre the preachers under his jurisdiction, under his charge. But they're not his preachers. They're God's preachers. But maybe he, maybe, maybe he, you know, I don't know the intent of his heart, but he used to make that statement, my preachers, my preachers. No, they're God's preachers. God saved them. God sanctified them. God called them. It is God who opened the eyes of their understanding. It is God who raised Jesus from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. They're God's preachers. But I understand he, he, he may have meant it in a completely innocent way. I don't know. God knows his heart. But the bishop cannot be self-willed. Not soon angry. Not given to wine. No striker. It can't be a brawler. You know, the preacher in the street brawling and the preacher going up to school because his children had ISS and the preacher up there fighting the superintendent and the, the principal. And they, you know, I work, I work in a school where sometimes parents want to come up there and fight. Now, you, you, now you're not going to believe what I'm about to say to you. Sometimes parents want to come up there and fight other students. You, right, well, hope, but you can't be a bishop, a pastor doing that because it shows a lack of discretion, a lack of self-control. Self-will, not my will, but your will be done. Let me show you another example. Saul in the Old Testament, Saul's problem, he was the first king of Israel. He's the first king of Israel. The last king of Israel is Jesus. First king, Saul. Second king, David. Last king, Jesus. First king, Saul. Second king was David. Third king, Solomon. And then a bunch of kings after that. And then Israel was split between Israel in the north and Judah in the south. Last king of Israel is Judah, is Jesus. Hallelujah. He shall sit on the throne of David. Hallelujah. As was spoken by the Holy Scriptures. But let me show you, let me read this passage about Saul. Saul was self-willed. That's why God replaced him. God put him in the unemployment line. Glory <laughs> to the Lamb of God. That's bad when God puts you in the unemployment line. That's 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 bad, boy. I'm I'm gonna read from first uh, Samuel fifteen. Then Saul Samuel, the prophet, Samuel said to Saul, The Lord sent me to anoint you as king over his people, over Israel. Now therefore listen to the words of the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, I will punish Amalek for what he did to Israel, how he set himself against him on the way while he was coming up out of uh, coming up from Egypt. So the Lord is getting ready to uh, put the kibosh, put the whammy 
on Amalek for what he did when the children of Israel were coming up out of Egypt. Now go, he's, Samuel the prophet says to Saul the king, now go and strike Amalek and utterly destroy all that he has. Do not spare him, but put, the death, put to death both man and woman, child and infant, ox and sheep, camel and donkey. Samuel, prophet of God, so he's speaking as an oracle of God. He's speaking as God's mouthpiece. He says to Saul, don't spare anybody. Kill them all. Man, woman, child, infant, ox, sheep, camel, donkey. Take them all out. Thus says the Lord. And Saul knew that Samuel was a prophet of God. It was Samuel who had anointed Saul to be king, first king of Israel. Prophets would, would anoint men with the, the uh, horn of, of, of anointing. The oil would flow from the horn when the person that God wanted to be king was chosen. That's what happened with David, who came after Saul. Then Saul, son, he's kill them all. All means A-L-L. Then Saul summoned the people and numbered them in Telim, 200,000 foot soldiers and 10,000 men of Judah. Saul came to the city of Amalek and set an ambush in the valley. Saul said to the Kenites, go, depart, go down from among the Amalekites so that I do not destroy you with them. For you showed kindness to all the sons of Israel when they came up from Egypt. So the Kenites departed from among the Amalekites. So Saul defeated the Amalekites from Havilah as you go to Shur, which is east of Egypt. He captured Agag, the king of the Amalekites, alive. But he was told to kill them all. Man, woman, boy, girl, dog, cat, parakeet, snake, rabbit, all, camel, ox, donkey, all. But Saul captured Agag. He says, it says he defeated the Amalekites from Havilah as you go to Shur, which is east of Egypt. He captured Agag, the king of the Amalekites, alive and utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. Verse 9, though, says, but Saul and the people spared Agag. And the best of the sheep, the oxen, the fatlings, the lambs, and all that was good. And they were not willing to destroy them utterly. See, Saul didn't do it with the prophet Samuel speaking on behalf of the Lord. Remember, the prophet goes to the people uh, on behalf of the Lord. The priest goes to the Lord on behalf of the people. But the prophet goes to the people, in this case to Saul as the Lord's spokesman. That's why Jesus is called the faithful and true witness. He was the perfect prophet. There was no flaw in his prophecy and in his ministry. He's a, he's, he says, I'm the faithful and true witness. But Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep. And how, how Samuel going to find out? One way Samuel's going to find out, he's going to hear the sheep bleeping. Meh, meh. Samuel's going to say, well, what, what's this noise I'm hearing? What is, it, what, what is this? 
But Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep, the oxen, the fatlings, the lambs, and all that was good, and were not willing to destroy them utterly. But everything despised and worthless, they utterly destroyed. That ain't what the Lord told Samuel to tell him. The Lord said, all of them, not keep the good, not keep the good sheep. Then the word of the Lord, ah. So the main way Samuel found out, found out the word of the Lord came to him. He's, he's a prophet of God. So the word of the Lord, he's going to get revelation from the Lord. Then the word of the Lord came to Samuel, saying, I regret that I have made Saul king. Why? What was the main reason? Because he was self-willed. This wasn't the only occasion. Because he was self-willed. I regret that I have made Saul king. For he has turned back from following me and has not carried out my commands. I said, kill them all. And Samuel was distressed and cried out to the Lord all night. So Samuel made intercession for Saul. Samuel rose early in the morning to meet Saul. And it was told Samuel, saying, Saul came to Carmel. And behold, he set up a monument for himself. Well, that might have been part of the problem right there. When you're building monuments to yourself. Then turned and proceeded on down to Gilgal. Samuel came to Saul, and Saul said to him, Blessed are you of the Lord. Now watch what he's going to say here. I have carried out the command of the Lord. Well, no, you didn't carry out the command of the Lord. The Lord said, kill them all. The Lord was, was wreaking vengeance. Remember he said, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. The Lord was wreaking vengeance. For what Amalek, for the Amalekites had done in not um, treating the children of Israel kindly as they came up out of Egypt. He said, kill them all. And listen to what Saul said here. I have carried out the commandment of the Lord. Got a little, I'm sure Saul had a smile on his face and he patting himself on the back. I've done the will of God. Glory to God. But Samuel said, uh, uh, let's see, let's see, see. But Samuel said, what then is this bleeding of the sheep in my ears? <laughs> well, if you, if you kill them all, why am I hearing this sound of the sheep? You were supposed to kill them all, all the sheep, all the men, the women, the children, kill them all. I know that sounds barbaric, but the Lord said, do it, do it. But Samuel said, what then is this bleeding of the sheep in my ears and the lowing of the oxen, whichever, whatever sound oxen make, which I hear? Saul said, they have brought them from the Amalekites, for the people spared the best of the sheep and oxen. Then watch his rationale here. The power of the human mind to rationalize, right? They have brought them from the Amalekites, for the people spared the best of the sheep and oxen to sacrifice to the Lord. Listen to what Saul says, your God. You mean the Lord, your God? The Lord was exalted you to be king of Israel. What do you mean the Lord, your God? But the rest, we, notice he said they, then he says we have utterly destroyed the rest. Then Samuel said to Saul, wait and let me tell you what the Lord said to me last night. And he said to him, speak. Samuel said, is it not true, though you were little in your own eyes, you were made the head of the tribes of Israel, and the Lord anointed you king over Israel, and the Lord sent you on a mission, 
and said, Go and utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they are exterminated, all of them, the children. Because if you don't destroy the children, they're going to grow up to be the adult Amalekites. Kill them all. Kill the sheep, donkey, oxen, cat, rat, snake, pet, rabbit, bird. Kill them all. Go and utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they are exterminated. Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord, but rushed upon the spoil and did what was evil in the sight of the Lord? Then Saul said to Samuel, I did obey the voice of the Lord and went on the mission on which the Lord sent me and have brought back King Agag, the king of Amalek, and have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. Saul is like, you know, loco in the, in the cabeza here. He says, he said, I did, I did do the will of God. But the people took some of the spoil, sheep and oxen. Now he's blaming the people. But he was the king. He had been given the command to kill them all. But the people took some of the spoil, sheep and oxen, the choicest of the things devoted to destruction, to sacrifice, to the Lord your God, he says it again, at Gilgal. So Samuel has powerful rationalization here. But the, in, the, in the final analysis, he didn't obey what the Lord told him to do because he was self-willed. And notice his power, and we have that same power. Notice his power to rationalize. And notice how he puts the blame on, in, on the people when the blame was really on him because he was the king. If the king said do it, they would do it. You had to obey the king or your head would roll down the, roll down the street. Samuel said, has the Lord as much delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Because Saul had said, oh, we, go, we took the best to sacrifice to the Lord. You know, we, we, we knew the Lord would be impressed if we sacrificed the best sheep and oxen to him. Samuel said, you got it wrong here, buddy. Obeying the Lord is much better. And this is where we get that scripture to obey is better. Um, it's better to obey the Lord and to sacrifice and, and rebellion is like the sin of witchcraft. That, that's, that verse is coming up here. Samuel said, Has the Lord as much delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice. Had you obeyed the Lord, he would be pleased much more than you sacrificing, fattening uh, um, oxen and sheep that he told you to destroy. Now, he didn't tell you to sacrifice the people as far as, you know, sacrificing human beings because that was what the idol god, the people sacrificed human beings, including children, to idol gods. He didn't say do that. He said destroy them all. Has the Lord as much delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice. And to heed is better than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of divination. I'm reading the uh, NASB Bible here. The King James says that rebellion is like the sin of witchcraft. And insubordination is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, the Lord has also rejected you from being king. And that's why Saul was put in the unemployment line. And David was exalted in his place. Then Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned. He knew there was no way to get around it. 
I have sinned. I have indeed transgressed the command of the Lord and your words because I feared the people. I feared the people more than I feared the Lord. I feared the people. I have sinned. I have indeed transgressed the command of the Lord and your words because I feared the people and I listened to their voice. He's the king now. He had absolute power. In these days, the, he didn't have to consult the Constitution and uh, go before Congress, you know, uh, uh, and, you know, consult with what the uh, Congress said about the War Powers Act. He, he didn't have, you know, the, there was no Article 2, which talked about the powers of the pres presidency in Article 1, the power of Congress in Article 3, the power of the judiciary. No, the, the king, he answered really only to God. He feared the people. I have sinned. I have transgressed the command of the Lord and your words, because Samuel's words were as an oracle of God, the, the mouthpiece of God. I have indeed transgressed the command of the Lord and your words, because I feared the people and listened to their voice. Now, now watch this. He's going to try and get out of it. Now, therefore, please pardon my sin and return with me that I may worship the Lord. Samuel, Saul is something here. But Samuel said to Saul, I will not return with you. For you have rejected the word of the Lord, and the Lord has rejected you from being king over Israel. And Samuel turned to go. As Samuel turned to go, Saul seized the edge of his robe, and it tore. And why did he want to do that? So Samuel said to him, the Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you today and has given it to your neighbor who is better than you. Also, the glory of Israel will not lie. Glory to God. He called the Lord the glory of Israel. That a preach. Glory to the Lamb of God. The glory of Israel will not lie nor change his mind. For he is not a man that he should change his mind. Then he said, this is Saul speaking, I have sinned, but please honor me now before the elders of my people and before Israel and go back with me that I may worship the Lord, your God. He keeps saying the Lord, your God, the Lord, your God, the Lord, your God. That's troublesome. So Samuel went back following Saul, and Saul worshipped the Lord. So Samuel made a concession there. But Samuel knew, you're out, buddy. You know, remember that show President Trump used to have? Um, I never watched it, but what was it called? Um, the Apprentice. You're fired. <laughs> That's what the Lord. You're fired. <laughs> yeah. Then Samuel said, Samuel was going to do what Saul was supposed to do. Bring me Agag, the king of the Amalekites. And Agag came to him cheerfully. And Agag said, sure, I'm sure he's trembling here. His loins are about to, he's about to mess himself. He's about to wet himself, etc. And Agag came to him cheerfully. And Agag said, surely the bitterness of death is past. So Agag was thinking, oh, I'm going to make it through this. But Samuel said, as your sword has made women childless, so shall your mother be childless among women. 
In other words, death penalty. And Samuel hewed Agag to pieces before the Lord at Gilgal. So the prophet had to do what the king wouldn't do because the king was self-willed and was fearful of the people. Then Samuel went to Ramah, but Saul went up to his house at Gibeah of Saul. Samuel did not see Saul again until the day of his death. For Samuel grieved over Saul, and the Lord regretted that he had made Saul king over Israel. Because Saul was self-willed. Not only was Saul self-willed, but he feared the people. There was a, there were, and I'm going to close right here. I wanted to go into Romans today, uh, the chapter one, but I'll, I'll wait until our next time. There was a recent poll done by a research group. And it's, and the, the result of the poll said over 50% of pastors don't preach on certain subjects because they don't want to offend the people in the congregation. Over 50% of pastors don't preach on certain subjects. Hot button subjects like gay marriage, uh, abortion, etc. Because they don't want to offend people in the congregation. Now, it's good to not want to offend people. The Bible says, give no offense to the Jews, to the Gentiles, nor to the church of God. It's good to not want to offend people if you can help it. But it's never good to be afraid to preach on certain areas that deal with the sin in our lives and whether we're glorifying Jesus Christ because you don't want to offend people. You, you're not going to preach this gospel and not offend somebody. It's a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. Paul said, I'm not in this, this, this same Romans chapter that I wanted to get to today, but I won't be able to. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. The fact that he said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel indicates that there are those who are ashamed, that who are offended. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation to all who believe, to the Jew first and to the Gentile. I'm going to talk about that, Lord willing, on Friday. I'll get to that. I was going to get to it today, but... I'm going to stop here when, uh, on the story of Saul. Saul was self-willed and he feared the people. We cannot be self-willed and we cannot fear the people to the point that we don't do the will of God. Jesus said, now how are you fearing people? Yeah, they might kill you. Some of them will. But you'd be better to fear him who can cast you into eternal damnation. I'm going to pray that we, not you, we, that we not be self-willed, that we do the will of God, that we know the will of God. You can't do the will of God if you don't know it. I'm going to pray that we know the will of God, that we seek the will of God through fasting and prayer and, and God's word, and that we do the will of God. The Bible says don't be just a hearer of God's word, but a doer. I'll talk about that one. That's in James. I want to talk, I'm going to try to remember to talk about that one on Friday. Be not only a hearer of God's word, but a doer. For if anyone is a hearer of God's word and not a, not a doer, he's like somebody who looks in the mirror and sees his reflection, then walks away and forget what he, forgets what he saw. 
Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, beginning with me, Lord, help me not to be self-willed. Help me, Lord, to do your good.